My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 22nd of January. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. Last week, awards season was in full swing as the world of TV and film took a centre stage. But as this happened, an important statement was released from production companies around the world asking governments to require global streamers, think Netflix and Disney, to make what they described as fair and proportional contributions to local content. So they're asking for a proportion of the money that Netflix, for example, makes from Australian customers to be reinvested into the Australian arts industry. On today's podcast, we're going to bring you an interview with the CEO of Screen Producers Australia about why this is so important. But first, Ara, what's making news today? A tropical cyclone is set to make landfall in Queensland this week. It's expected to develop into Australia's third tropical cyclone of the season and to be named Tropical Cyclone Kiralee. According to the Bureau of Meteorology, the cyclone is set to hit between Cairns and Mackay in the middle of the week. The cause of a fire in a Sydney unit that happened on Friday last week is thought to be an e-bike battery that exploded. Two people were forced to escape through a window when the fire broke out in the early hours of the morning. It's the latest in a string of fires caused by faulty lithium-ion batteries across Australia, including one in South Australia which caused over $7 million in property damage in June last year. The head of Seoul's Metropolitan Police Agency has been charged with negligence over the Halloween crowd crush that killed 159 people back in October 2022. Kim Kwang Ho is accused of failing to ensure there were enough officers in attendance at the festivities where over 100,000 people had gathered. And today's good news, Turkey's first astronaut has arrived at the International Space Station on a privately funded mission with other European crew members. Alper Gavachki had previously worked as a fighter pilot with the Turkish Air Force and was a captain with Turkish Airlines. The mission involves research into microgravity. That's what scientists call environments where there's not very much gravity, so people and objects can float around. Zara, before we dive into Chloe's interview, I did just want to draw your attention and everybody's attention to the fact that things look a little bit different on your podcast feed today. We've got a new album cover. It's got some lovely toasty toast on it. And it fits into a big day for the Daily Oz because today, for the first time in six years, for the first time since Zara and I, you know, threw some colours together and got a mate to design a logo, we've done a bit of a rebrand and it's been a long journey. We've now got over half a million followers on Instagram and we've broadened our reach from just an Instagram page to now our TikTok, our YouTube, our newsletter, and of course, this podcast. There's been some really big changes, especially on our website, and I'm going to throw a link into today's show notes, but it doesn't look like any old news website. We've tried to make it look a bit more fresh and a bit more TDA. But that's enough about TDA's branding. Let's get into today's episode. 
So Australia flaunted some huge on-screen talent last week at the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice Awards and the Emmys. We had Sarah Snook take home a trifecta for her role in Succession and Elizabeth Debicki sweeping up for her role in The Crown. But there also was a big request from production companies around the world. They want more money invested into local content. And when I say local content, I'm talking about shows like the incredibly successful Boy Swallows Universe that's just come out on Netflix. So on the pod today, we're joined by Matthew Diener. He's the CEO of Screen Producers Australia. And TDA journalist Chloe Christie sat down with him to talk about what needs to change for us to see more Aussie faces shine in film and television. Here's that chat. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Ah, you're very welcome. It's great to be with you. So it's a big week for film and TV around the world. We've had the Golden Globes, the Emmys and the Critics' Choice Awards. So how are you feeling about the representation of Australian talent on the global stage this award season? Uh, look, it's it's really been a big Australia first sort of push, really, in terms of how I think we've been perceived and maybe also how um, out we're feeling as an industry because there's some really strong representation. You've got actors who are always the front face of the industry really being acknowledged. But I think whenever I see an actor, an Australian actor doing really well overseas, I always think, what has it taken to get them there? Um, when Sarah gets an award or Elizabeth Jubecki or somebody else, I go, well, goodness, there's so much work that has happened in that person's career to have built them up to a point where, you know, not always, but I think, you know, Sarah and Elizabeth and others that have had um, incredible opportunities in Australia and part of that's because we have a really great foundational piece of of training in Australia. I'm feeling really pumped by it and um, I think we are in our own right trying to make sure that our Australian productions are going to be the ones that are being showcased as much as the individuals that we've seen applauded and awarded. And um, that's the future for us and um, I'm really happy and excited by it. And just while we're talking about the Sarah Snooks and the Elizabeth Debickies, if what is the decision of an Australian actor trying to make it big in the world of film? Is it a huge task then to try and make it big here or is the decision always, I have to go to America? It's an interesting shift, I think, that's happening at the moment. Um, and part of that is that streaming is increasingly taking over uh, the way in which we watch content and it's reflected in those awards um, programs. But um, because of that global footprint of streaming, um, increasingly that money is being in different ways invested locally, um, partly uh, because of governments re- requiring that and partly because of you know very sound marketing um, and local investment strategies. I think we'll see a shift of the actors that have needed to get onto planes straight away and go to LA. Instead, being able to remain in Australia and continue to work and work on Australian-made projects, um, either Australian-Australian projects or projects that are filmed here um, uh, that are international in their design and construction but can still be made here. And I, I think of um, Chris Hemsworth um, did a lot of media about when he, he brought Thor back to Australia. He was making the point that he could relocate his family um, from Los Angeles to Australia and from here be based um, and do his work. And he's done, look, he's had, had to move <laughs> for a couple of films but since then, but he's been able to do a lot of work here. And I think that's the goal. 
Sticking in Australia, the local film and TV industry is about to see some big legislative changes. And so before we get to what they actually are, why was change so necessary here? So one of the things that's happened um, in Australian TV is um, we've had the launch of many new platforms and streaming that's changed everything. Our concern structurally for our industry is that there's two reasons why people invest in Australia, or three. It can be um, that there's a great idea here, and that's great. It can be because there's investment associated with that from the government. Um, But it's also, and it can be about launching new product in the market, which is the case, that we've had a number of these streaming services launched. They're looking to um, Australianise some of their offering. Um, and that's a good way to market because Australians love Australian content. There's no doubt about it. If it's made well and it's comparable to in terms of quality and standard and execution to other um, markets, we will naturally as a nation gravitate towards watching Australian content. The challenge with that is, though, is there uh, is this going to be a burst of one-off shows to launch projects or is there instead going to be an ongoing investment from these platforms. Um, so it is the case that we've got to keep fighting um, as other territories are having to do to make sure that part of the carve-up of global budgets, some of which should be needs to be spent in Australia. Um, so um, that is definitely the, the argument. And if you're going to do that properly, you need to, as other territories have, um, come up with a regulation on those businesses that's um, legislated in Australia. The government has released a five-year plan. It's called Revive and it's set out to protect and support Australia's arts. So what do screen producers specifically want to see in those reforms that are yet to be announced? This is the most critical piece of policy announcements that have happened and um, we are expecting the government that the start of, you know, as you say, in January I think last year announced that it was setting up a, an arts Um, cultural policy. And in that policy um, that was very important for production work was that there was a commitment to legislate the streamers. When we say legislate, they haven't ever had any legislative framework in Australia. So what Australian producers, but also the Australian industry is seeking um, from this change is that there be 20% of the money that is earned in this market um, reinvested into new Australian work. That is modest investment compared to um, the ratio of investment that broadcasters or others make. That is being argued at the moment that it is too high by the streamers, but then I wouldn't have expected anything other than that from the streamers. I think that's a, that means that 80% pretty much is profit. That's a pretty good outcome for um, a business. So we've talked about how screen producers want 20% invested back into making Australian content. But if we look at how much streamers are currently spending on that kind of content, the ACMA published an annual report saying that the streaming platform spent $324.1 million on Australian content. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it costs to make a movie, but is that Mm -hmm. enough to support a flourishing film and TV industry back at home? Look, it, it, it's a good start um, and, you know, I don't want to be anything other than um, charitable about that investment because it's not to be sneezed at. It sounds like a lot, but it's also not a huge amount and part of what we're saying is there's a, a, a chunk of money that is put into international um, productions, not so much Australian productions, by the same businesses. If you make sure that 
there's a bit more allocation from that international investment into local Australian productions, then we, I think we've already hit 20% pretty quickly. So, you know, it doesn't take much to get us to this um, level. And this percentage investment based on earnings means that we have the opportunity to grow the sector as those businesses' earnings increase, as in it becomes a ratio that it hopefully increases as their earnings increase. So that in its own right, it probably says to me that we can create sustainable flourishing industry by pegging it at the right level and ensuring that we go with the fortunes of these businesses. Obviously this week, Boys Follows Universe has debuted on Netflix to international mm. acclaim. Heartbreak High blew it out of the water in 2022. Do you think that this is a sign that international audiences have a strong appetite for Aussie content? Australian content's travelled very well for a long time. And I'll go back to in time to um, the sale of soap operas like Neighbours and Home and Away that have always done incredibly well. It's whether the Netflix is also making new things. And those two shows you talked about are Netflix investments um, into local Australian productions. Um, so Boys Wells Universe and Heartbreak High are that. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily surprise me that they're doing as they're doing as well. It, but it does reaffirm the the quality of our work in many markets. Are we at the pinnacle of our success? No, we've still got a bit of a way to go. But um, I think we're getting there and we're heading in the right direction. And part of that is backing in behind the Australian creatives that are working on these shows um, with all of the requirements that we're talking about for the streamers to have to keep coming at it. And just lastly, what are some exciting Australian productions you've got your eye on for 2024? There's some really incredible um, Australian productions coming out. Um, I'm personally excited by a show called Prosper, um, which is from a production company called Lingo that have done a number of great shows over the years. Um, Erotic Stories was one on SBS. I think they were just cutting edge around bringing together a whole heap of diverse people to produce um, the work and and be in front of the camera and tell stories that we haven't seen before. Um, there's a, um, a a show called 10% Wolf, which is a kids' animation show that did really, really well. Um, and I think our animation industry is under-knowledged for the type of skill it has. I think when people go, oh, hang on, that bluey thing, yeah, 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 that was animation. That is about lots and lots of other people coming together again, hundreds, if not thousands, to create um, animation that I think really, really works. Um, I also think we make really good reality TV and I think that reality TV doesn't get quite the this, this sort of mark that it um, acknowledges um, is acknowledged because we have reshaped and re designed a lot of the formats that play and work really well globally um, in our market, um, including um, MasterChef, um, Love at First Sight. They are global hits, partly because they've been reconstructed by the Australians uh, from what was originally, you know, sometimes quite um, timid shows into very, very big global juggernauts. Um, as you say, Boy Swallows Universe is going to eat it up for a while. It's, uh, it's a great book for people that don't know the book, but I think the production is incredible, so that's wonderful. I love it. Matt, thanks so much for jumping on the pod today. You're very welcome. Great to chat. 
Thanks so much for joining us on The Daily Oz this Monday morning. Go and check out our brand new website. It's a huge day for us in the office. We're going to go and have an almond croissant and, and celebrate the fact that we're entering a bit of a new era for The Daily Oz. The substance of what we're about, quality journalism for young people, by young people, that's not going to change. We've got a new lick of paint, but besides that, we're still the same old us. We'll be back again in your ears tomorrow morning. Until then, have a great start to the week. Ready? And this is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. Oh, now it makes sense.